खिलाफत के अमी हम हैं अमानत हम संभालेंगे जो नेमत छिन वी बिलीव इन इक्वेलिटी ऑफ ह्यूमन बीइंग्स इन द रूल ऑफ लॉ एंड वी आर अगेंस्ट ऑल टाइप्स ऑफ ऑपरेशन वेलकम टू द एमकेए यूएसए वाइब रन बाय मजलिस कुदामल अहमदिया यूएसए America's oldest and largest Muslim male youth organization. We're here to share a weekly recap of the latest in Friday sermons, speeches, lessons from our respected imams and wisdom from different sources. Khalifa ke labon se jo gulo jo har bikharte hain. ज़ीमिसमिलहिरहमानिरहीम that there is an initial design that is put into our being into our dna into the very writing that's on the wall and the other is the guiding the guided evolution that there is a stage by stage progress a step by step progress which is guided by allah almighty there is an intelligent design that carries everything through on a step by step level this is also what is described by allah taala in his describing himself as rab the one who causes us to progress stage by stage Now in this regard there's a question that sometimes we are asked that as muslims do we believe in evolution or as muslims do we believe in dinosaurs or other questions like this that as muslims do we believe in the big bang and a basic answer to this question is that the purpose of islam as a religion is not to answer these types of questions if it is answered it is for a separate reason but that's not the reason why religion comes it's the same thing as asking somebody who's a libertarian or a democrat or a republican that as a democrat do you believe in evolution or do you believe that the dinosaurs existed as a capitalist or a communist do you believe the dinosaurs existed these questions are irrelevant to the basic purpose of those philosophies those are economic philosophies or political philosophies they do not come to explain to us the history of the physical world so when there the, these things are there for our study on a secular level so the purpose of religion is our spiritual reformation it is not to describe to us the history of the universe or to describe to us scientific realities yes if there is a spiritual benefit in describing those things then they are described and that is the only time that islam delves into these subjects so when a person has the approach that they are going to read the quran or read the hadith with the search as if the the purpose of these books is to give them scientific guidance and they've approached it wrong in the first place so the quran has not come to give us these answers but why is it that at times the answer the the quran does give us answers to certain questions that are related to science the simple reason is that since the purpose of islam and the quran is for us to fall in love with allah almighty who is the creator and it is necessary for us to understand his creation to fall in love with that creator those physical signs of allah almighty and that creation is mentioned as a way of leading us to the perfection and the glory of allah almighty otherwise it has no purpose as an example uh hazrat khalifatul masih rabir rahimahullah um described the way in which the general understanding of evolution how absurd it is and he gave an analogy that imagine that 
years into the future, let's say millions of years into the future, the human species has gone extinct and no longer exists, and a new species has come onto this earth, and we're nothing but fossils left in the ground. There is no record of our history or anything. And that species, millions of years later, digs up an airplane. They don't understand what they're looking at. It's just a fossil that they're seeing. So he said that imagine that there is a theist and an atheist camp. Some say that this airplane had a designer. Others say that no, it is just something that naturally occurred in the world. It just formed on its own. So a debate arises at that time. Then they do more digging and they find a smaller plane, an older plane, a more primitive plane. And so then the atheists make the argument that, look, this is an evolution in the planes. This one is older and more primitive, whereas the other one was newer and more complex. So this shows that there is a stage-by-stage evolution. They didn't have any creator. They didn't have a maker or a designer. They just formed on their own. They dig deeper and they find many different airplanes. They find the wheel and they see these different levels of evolution. They see that the airplane in its most primitive forms was very basic and then it became very sophisticated after a long period of time. And they present the argument that there was no designer of these airplanes. There was no creator. It just formed on its own through random chance, random mutations, random variants. And it continued to progress in complexity as time went on. And with time, they got more and more advanced. So Hazur said that this argument and this, that's in this analogy is exactly what scientists argue today. But when we look at the complexity of life, to argue that it has no designer is to ignore the obvious, is to ignore that the, lev- the sheer level of complexity in life in the very short amount of time that it was created is something that could not have happened through chance, through random variance. And to assert that it did is to deny and to approach the whole situation with a preemptive bias and an insistence on saying that we refuse to accept the possibility of God Almighty, of there being an intelligent designer and a conscious designer who is God Almighty. And so when a person has rejected that possibility, then they come up with these absurd ideas that in this very short amount of time, this almost impossible complexity to have come about happened through random mutations, random chance, random variants. It's the same thing. It's even actually more absurd than, 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 a, than a species in the distant future saying that airplanes evolved on their own. It's easier for an airplane to just evolve out of nothing than it is for human life to have evolved out of nothing in the short amount of time that we have. Now, if we, look, if we take that example of that future species, they're denying the existence of human beings. They're denying the existence of the creator of the airplane as of no spiritual harm to them. It doesn't matter what they, they can believe whatever they want to. It makes no difference to them. Allah Ta'ala and religion would not send a clarification to them to tell them that airplanes were actually designed by human beings if they continue to believe in that absurdity that airplanes randomly came into being and they evolved through random variants and they could continue in that. It's a scientific mistake they would make, but it would be inconsequential from a spiritual realm. So also, if the scientific community continued in a misconception, the belief that evolution happened by random variants, then it would be an absurdity. It would be a near statistical impossibility that people would believe in. That would be almost laughable. But it's not something that religion would have any interest in correcting. The only reason religion would have an interest in correcting it and addressing the issue is if the denial of the creator of human beings is of spiritual harm to us. So this is why Islam addresses it. When a person believes in this absurdity, it results in their denying the existence of God Almighty. Or more accurately, it comes from a pre-existing bias and an insistence on denying the existence of Allah Almighty and then coming to these conclusions. So this is the only reason that Islam addresses it. Otherwise, Islam has no interest in describing to us how evolution happened or how the Big Bang happened or any of these things. It is only to describe to us the Creator. 
Now also another aspect of this is what Hazrat Muslim who described in Taluk Billah where he explained that there is a difference in the way that a person falls in love with Allah Almighty and the way a person falls in love with a human being. With a human being first we see their beauty, we see their form and we fall in love with that, we are enamored by it, we are infatuated with it. And then slowly and gradually we get to know their attributes, their characteristics. We get to know who they are as their, as their actions and what their personality is. So when we first see a person, we don't know their personality, attributes, anything about them. We just see their form and a person falls in love with them at times because of the attractiveness of that form. But it is the opposite with Allah Almighty. The way a person is introduced to Allah Almighty is through his attributes, through his characteristics, through his actions. And as a person gets to know those attributes, then slowly the being of Allah Ta'ala manifests itself to that person. And he is able to see the beauty of God Almighty. So there is opposite way in which a person falls in love with creation and with the Creator. With the creation, first we fall in love with the husn, the beauty, and then we fall in love with the ihsan, the actions, the characteristics, the, 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 the attributes of the person. And with Allah Almighty, first we fall in love with his ihsan, and then we fall in love with his husn. To truly love Allah Almighty, it is necessary in order to observe that ihsan to see the creation of God Almighty. So this is the only reason Allah Almighty has described it. When Allah Ta'ala describes the creation of the heavens and the earth, the miracles, the reason for describing the makhluk of Allah Almighty is through that ihsan that Allah Ta'ala did, we would be able to see the grandeur of His creation and the vastness of His creation and the beauty that exists and the husn that is behind all of this ihsan. Now when we come to the question of human, human evolution, what Islam has described is what is described in this verse, that evolution definitely exists. But then also there is an intelligent designer behind it, Qaddara Fahada, that first he uh, designed and then he guided step by step through the evolution that happened. This doesn't mean that since evolution exists, therefore there is no creator. To look at things in a black and white way like that would be ignorance. It's the same thing as saying that since airplanes have a progression to them, therefore they don't need a creator and a designer. Obviously they need a creator and designer. But at the same time, we cannot deny that there is an evolution and there is a gradual progress that exists in all of this. Now what Islam has described in the Holy Quran has described as a similarity between what happens in the womb and what happened in the creation of mankind. Similar to the way that there is a progression that happens inside of the womb, there is also a progression that happened for us as a species over a period of millions of years. That in the womb, a child goes from being a single cell organism to being a fully formed infant. So also we as a species went from being that single cell organism to being a fully formed human being over a long, long period of time. Now, when we look at the womb, we wouldn't assume and we wouldn't imagine that any step of that development in the fetus is by random chance or by variance. As an example, it's about halfway through the pregnancy or somewhere around that point that it becomes apparent that the child is going to be a boy or a girl. A person who is completely ignorant might be observing from the outside and then come to the conclusion that after this many months, let's say after four months, this is when the child randomly branches off to being a boy or randomly branches off to being a girl. As an outside observer with no information, it's understandable that a person may make that assumption. But we know that from the very beginning it's written into the chromosomes of that child that he is going to be a boy or she is going to be a girl. It only becomes apparent after a certain number of months. So to say that by random variance, the womb, the, the fetus continued to evolve until arbitrarily it became a boy or arbitrarily it started to form into a girl, that's ignorance. So in the same way with our human species, when it is said that we were just like any other monkey, 
just like any other ape or chimpanzee, and then randomly we branched off and became a homo sapien, and then in a, such a short period of time advanced to this level, it is the same type of ignorance. The fact is that our human fate was written into our DNA from the beginning. Although a fetus in its very early stages may be just as insignificant as a tadpole or a, or a fish, or it may look physically or observably very similar to any other primitive form of life, but it is written into the DNA, into the chromosomes of that fetus exactly what, is going to, what it is going to be. For a person to think that this fetus randomly developed from a tadpole what seemed like nothing more than a tadpole into a fully functional human being was a random evolution in nine months would be an absurdity. So this is the same thing that applies with our human evolution. When we look at the perspective that the scientific community takes on this, since there is an insistence, a stubbornness to deny the possibility of the existence of God, then the only recourse that a person has is to say that it all happened randomly, to explain it away as being random, even though the possibility of that randomness is even more absurd than the idea that we dug up airplanes and there's an evolution in those airplanes, or we saw the progress in a fetus and there's an evolution in that fetus and so all of this happened randomly. So this is the perspective that Islam gives on evolution. So when the question arises that what does Islam teach on evolution, then the primary and basic answer is that the purpose of Islam is not to teach us the history of the world or the history of the universe. Islam is a religion. It has come to lead us to our creator. But if Islam addresses it, it addresses it because of a spiritual problem that exists and that is what our objective is to address. The main objective that we have is that why do people have such an allergy to ex accepting the possibility of the existence of God, an intelligent designer, a conscious creator behind this? What is the reason for such a taboo, such an aversion to it, that they would insist on, in, on accepting something that is far more absurd as a possibility, that it all happened by random variants? So this is the reason why Islam addresses the subject of evolution. And also the reason is that when we reflect on the complexity of life and the beauty of the nature around us, it, it, it brings forward a picture of the ihsan of Allah Almighty, the attributes and the characteristics of God Almighty. And the more we see of those characteristics and attributes, the more we see of the ihsan of Allah Almighty, the more the husn becomes apparent and the more we can fall in love with the Creator. So when it comes to the subject of evolution, our basic purpose and our principle, our point where we pivot from, our essential uh, purpose in preaching to others and of understanding ourselves is the four first point that has to be understood. And then from there we go stage by stage to then um, explaining the point in its more detail to others. So may Allah Almighty make the understanding of the complexity of Allah Almighty's creation a means of recognizing His Ihsan and make it a way of leading towards His Husn. خلیفہ کے لبوں سے جو گلو جوہر بکھرتے ہیں speeches. Lessons from our respected Imams and wisdom from different sources. Tweet us your ideas and thoughts at Muslim Youth USA.